Praise the Lord. From my side, it's great to be together, and it's wonderful for us to. Not just the word, but um, in each other. I love the fact that church is about people, and it's not about a program. And so, welcome to King City Church from my side. It is absolute joy for us to have you. We are in this wonderful series about how we can apply the word. And this morning, I want to speak to you about we have overcome. We have overcome. And I want to ask you to turn with me to the book of Luke. Um, are we good? Sound is great, eh? Book of Luke. We're going to be diving into a number of scripture verses this morning. So the encouragement always is when you come to a meeting like this, that you come prepared, not having slipped. You can't hear me? Is it too soft? Is it disappearing? Can you... That's why you guys are just looking like that. You can't hear a thing, eh? How's it? Is that better? One, two, one, two. You're good? All right, you're good over there? All right, let's do a Mexican way then. Oh, no, don't worry. Um, Luke 11. What I wanted to tell you about this, that I want you and encourage you. We always want to do that. When you come to a meeting like this, come prepared with a pen and a paper, piece of and a book. So that you can take notes, that you can go and study what we're talking about on your own time um, during the week. Otherwise, we just sit here and, and statistics tell us that you take in very low percentage of being taught. We know that you've all been at school. Many of you are still at school. You've got to go back and restudy what you were taught. And this is the same with us coming here on a Sunday morning. We've got to redo the preach. We've got to restudy it. And so when you take notes, it's a helpful aid to help you restudy it. Is that okay? So just check on your neighbor whether somebody's taking notes around you. And then take a picture of their notes if you don't have a book with you. Because next week you will be the one that will be having your book with you. And others can, you can make money out of this. It's like, I'll do notes. One dollar for the set of notes. Like, come on, let's do it. Um, but this morning we want to dive into We Have Overcome. And in Luke chapter 11... It's an interesting story of Jesus again operating and doing all sorts of wonderful things. And in 11 verses 14 to 23, you can go read through it. You want me to use that rather? Okay, we're back to Luke. Is that better? No. It is, it is better. Well, then you should say yes, not no. Anyway, um, Luke 11, Jesus is operating. And when Jesus operates, you've got to take notice. Here he is talking to a man who was mute. And there was a demon inside of this mute man. And in verse 14, we, talk, we read about it. And, and I love just this sentence. It says, when a demon had gone out of this man, the mute man spoke. How's that? The mute man spoke. It's like the lame man walked. The dead man was alive. When Jesus comes in, it changes things. Hey, a mute man spoke. I don't know what your testimony is, but maybe it's something to that effect. The, the sinner no longer sins. That's great, isn't it? The, the unfaithful is now faithful. The reserved is now outspoken. The, the fearful is now full of faith. Hey? The mute man spoke. And so Jesus operates in this man's life and, and sets him free. And then he explains what happens. And we're not going to go into all of that. But I'd like to take you to verses 21 where Jesus is just explaining what had just taken place. The mute man spoke because there was a demon in him. And Jesus with an incredible power set him free. Listen to what it says in verse 21. When a strong man, say with me strong man. Any strong men around you? <laughs> Thank you, Kilton. I like that. Anybody else? Oh, that's good, Mark. Um, everybody else is humble, eh? Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> anyway, so when a strong man, Jesus explaining, fully armed. Strong man's not only strong, but he's fully armed as well. It says, God's his own palace. His goods are safe. Uh -huh. But listen to this. But when one stronger, say with me, stronger. 
All right, but when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. So Jesus is talking about a strong man and a stronger man. And he's explaining that's what happened to this mute man. There was a strong man that operated in his life, but a stronger man came. And his name is Jesus. I hope that you've met the stronger one. And are not just aware of the one strong man. Uh-huh. And that's the reality for us. Is we, we live in a world where there is a strong man. There is, and, and there are things that are happening because of his influence. And his strong influence in the lives of people. And we call him the devil. But there's one stronger than him. And his name is Jesus Christ. And it's about that that we would like to help you understand how we have overcome. There's an amazing story in the Old Testament about the Israelites having been freed from Egypt. And in Numbers chapter 13, you can go read the latter part of it, maybe from chapter 13, verse um, about 30 onwards to about 14 into the first few verses. The spies are sent into the promised land, and you all know the story. Many of you may not even, but this is it. The Israelites were brought to the brink of this new land that they were about to go in, and they sent spies to go and look at whether this is a suitable place for them to go. And spies came back, 12 of them. 10 said, no ways, can't go. Two of them said, no, God will help us overcome. Because these men and these nations across there, God has called us to to lay hold of that nation for ourselves. He's promised us. The ten men said, no, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. They're way too big and way too strong for us. They're more aware of the strong man, not the stronger one. Caleb and Joshua were aware of the stronger one with them, which is God. And they said, no, no, let's take it. The others said, no. Listen to what they say. I'm just reading to you from verse 4. It says, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. They're on their way. They've been freed from 430 years of slavery. They encounter some issues. They're overwhelmed by the, the, the vastness of this, what is in front of them. They have the opportunity to go and settle in a land by themselves. They see the strong or the strength of these nations, and what they choose to do is to rather go back into Egypt. And this is what this cage is here for. They're saying, we are free over here. We can have our own lives. We can, we can do what God has called us to do. We can encounter what He has for us, but let's rather go back into Egypt. Let's rather function from here, because this is what we are very familiar with. We've always lived in slavery, 430 years of it. And we're okay here. We know how things operate. We know when we get bread, and it's terrible bread, and it's the most disgusting stuff that they feed us. We know how we work. It is incredibly strenuous. Morning till evening, that is our life. We know exactly how it works. We know the rhythms of slavery. We know nothing about freedom. We'd rather prefer to stay in the environment of the known and not move out. Guess what? There's no gate here. And it was done purposely. Because there's freedom available. You can just walk out. But they, Numbers 14 verse 4 says, let us choose a leader to take us back into slavery. That's really what they're saying. We're more comfortable with slavery. We're more comfortable to be overcome by the strong one than allowing the stronger one to set us free. And this morning, that's what we want to talk about. Is that we are living in an environment, this world, I'm not talking about Zimbabwe, I'm talking about this world, where a strong one is keeping people enslaved. Where the stronger one has come to set us free. But we choose to live outside or inside. His work has been accomplished. It's open. It's open there at the back. But you and I, friends, we choose where we want to live. 
And as we talk about loving the Word, and as we study the Word, and as we're learning more from the Word, the thing that we are saying, let's live the Word, the application this morning is, living the Word means that I get out of any prison that I'm in, and I move into the freedom that Jesus has for me. And I want to present to you just the reality of what this means. Write this verse down. You don't have it up on your on the screen. It's 2 Peter 2 verse 19. It says the following, and I'm just quoting the latter part of it. 2 Peter 2 and verse 19. You've got to go read this. It says, whatever we allow to overcome us, that thing we become enslaved to. Whatever you and I allow to overcome us, we become enslaved to that thing. So in other words, If you allow whatever the strong man is presenting to you to overcome you, you move in there. You move in there. And this morning, I want to just give you seven things from Scripture that God has clearly set us free from that we have overcome already. It is not a prison that you and I should be in. It is a place of freedom that He invites us to and to experience. So you ready? I want to show you that as we allow Jesus, the stronger man in our lives to function, various things will happen. And it's possible to happen. But you've got to apply it. I can give you all the verses. We can talk about it until we're blue. Until you believe it and you apply it in your life. It's your choice. Otherwise, your place of functioning is going to be inside you. And God has not called us to live in there. How, how sad is it that we do have a world where, where we can be in a physical prison, yet be free? I mean, the reality is that we do have physical prisons around. I'm not going to ask how many of you have been there. I've been there to visit. And it's incredible. I mean, we've been to some of the prisons in South. I've been to prisons here. And some of the places are just appalling. It's not great to be in. It's the last place that we want to spend our lives and spend time in. But this is the reality, is that you can be in a prison and free inside. Amen? You can live in a physical prison and yet be free because you found freedom in Christ. And, and that's why one of, many of the times that I've been into prison is we've gone to preach and we've gone to help people to be free yet being inside. But how sad is this? That people can be outside of prison, a physical one, yet be enslaved. That's the saddest thing. It's not how many people are in prison physically that we should ask. The question we should ask is how many people are free physically, but yet spiritually living as prisoners in this free world. And I trust this morning that you will understand that you have overcome the things that can keep you in prison, yet living in a free world. And so the first thing I want to mention as we turn to 1 John 2, verse 13 to 14, is that we are no longer overcome by the enemy. We've got to start with just dealing with him, this strong man. And then we're going to deal with some of the specifics of what he does in people's lives that keep us trapped in a prison. But 1 John, look at this, and we're going to actually be quoting a lot from 1 John because there's so much that that John actually wants to give us and help us understand about this freedom that we have. 1 John 2, John is talking and encouraging fathers and children and young men, and some say maybe it was physical um, ages that he was referring to, or levels of maturity perhaps on a spiritual level. Whatever it was, Paul, John rather, was referring to and speaking to groups of people here. And so we read in verse 12 of 1 John 2, where he says, I'm writing to you, little children. The sins are forgiven. Kind of like reminding us, come on, guys, remember these things. Understand them. Don't let it be forgotten. And I do think this is one of the things that we so easily forget is the truth. We so often believe the lies, and it keeps us enslaved. But the truth has come to set us free. So John is saying, come on guys, remember. He's saying to the fathers, you've known him from him who is from the beginning. And then he says to the young men in verse 13b, I'm writing to you young men because you, listen to this, have overcome the evil one. 
It's not anything that you've done. It's all that He has done. But as you appropriate what He has done, it means that you've overcome the evil one. You're no longer in the trap of the evil and saying, oh, the devil is all around and do you know what the devil is doing and have you seen what he's doing and, and he's doing the following in my life and I'm trapped by what he is doing. We are not trapped by that. The Bible is very clear and we don't have enough time to, to cover all the verses. But John is saying, young men, and let me include everybody. Let's all be young. How's that? Some of you are smiling. It's like, whoa, that's a great thought. He's saying, young men, you've overcome the evil one. And listen to what it says further on in verse 14. He's again reminding the children and the fathers. And then he ends with, he says, I write to you, young men, verse 14b, because you are strong. Uh-huh. All the young men go. Thanks, Vic. That's great. He says, you are strong. And then he says, the word of God does what? It abides in you. It has taken residence in you. You are accommodating the word of God in you. And then he says, and you have overcome the evil one. There's something that you've done to the word of God. It has set you free from a mindset of being enslaved. You are no longer overcome by the enemy. But someone stronger has appeared in your life. And that stronger one has set you free. You've come out of prison. These are the things that we've got to believe. There's a strong one, and too often we talk about him, and too much reference is made to him, and he wants all of the attention. But there's a stronger one that we worship, that we adore, that we follow, that we obey, that we love. And that stronger one, folks, has set you free. You have overcome him. He has not overcome you. He has not for this reason, the Son of God has appeared. And you read that in, in 1 John 3. We'll do that again later on. But in verse 8 of 1 John 3, it says, For this reason, the Son of God has appeared to destroy the works of the devil. For this reason, the stronger one has come to destroy the, one, the work of the strong one. He's not the strongest, but there's one stronger that came. And he has destroyed his work so that you and I can be free from the prison of sin and what he binds us with we are free from that and the bible says very clearly john again writing he says if the son has set you free you are free indeed if the son has set you free you are free indeed why would you want to go back to egypt and may we use egypt as a picture of slavery in a place of sin and of bondage. Why would we want to go back there? Because the Son has set us free. The second thing that we are free from, it says we are no longer overcome by our past. One of the things that keep us in the prison is what has happened in our past. Well, Paul does this amazing thing in Philippians 3, verses 3 to 11. Paul says, you know what? When I look in my life and my past, there are so many things that I can actually use as, as, as part of my, my credentials. I'm, I've done so well. I was trained like this. I'm from that tribe. I'm from that um, people group. And, and I know this. And I was trained by this one. And, and all of these things, they, they can make me really appear to be an amazing man. So his past, in this context, Paul, Paul is saying, well, really what? I've done really good. <laughs> and um, I think it's actually quite a number of things. But this is what Paul then comes up with. He says, you know what? All those things that I've done and the really good things that I've done, in terms of being trained and, and being positioned in a certain way and, 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 and growing up in a certain tribe, see, these all things could help me, but before God, I count them as rubbish. They don't add value to my life before God. And in the same way, we can come and say, well, you know what, I've, real, I've, I've done bad and I've, I've done really bad. Paul was saying, I've done good and I've done really good 
and not in a good sense, and then that is that is help people. He actually was part of seeing people killed for their faith. So that's a really bad thing. But the past of Paul did not determine his future. He had a a strange past. He was trained in all the ways of of religion, and to him it. It may have sounded and seemed good at that stage, but when he came to understand the knowledge of who Jesus is, he said, none of these things help me. They're on the contrary. They are liabilities in my life. And, and I don't want to trust in that. I want to trust in the saving power of Jesus Christ. And in other ways, often we look at our past and, and we consider the things that we've done in our past and, and we are aware of where we've gone wrong and where we've made mistakes and, 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 and what we've done to ourselves and what we've done to God even. Paul did that. He killed God's people. And, and what we've done to, to our friends and our relatives and, and we feel so, so bad about it that we say we cannot we cannot ever be forgiven for what we've done. And we go back to Egypt when we say the freedom that God has established through Jesus on the cross for me is not enough. I don't think I could ever be free from what I've done and what I am doing. And maybe this morning that's your story. Is that when you look at what God has done for you on the cross, you don't think it's enough because you understand the past of your life and you consider it more important than what Jesus has done on the cross. And you are overcome by your past. And your past haunts you. And your past reminds you. And the devil comes and he reminds you too of your past. And you stay in a cage. You may walk around freely. You can go home now from here and do whatever you want to do. But you know that you know that you know in your heart you're caught. You're caught in this trap of your past. And we have overcome our past. Let me just take you to Exodus 6. This is part of this thinking, this mindset that existed in the hearts of the people. We're reading through the book of Exodus and Mark. By the way, those of you that are with us, I hope that you're staying with us. This week we're finishing chapters 13 to 14 and we're starting next tomorrow um, with the next chapters. But I was reading through it this week and, and, and without actually thinking of this preach, in Exodus 6 verse 9, this thing, boom, just exploded in my face when I saw what, what, how, the, how the Israelites responded to. Moses was coming and, and promising the, the, them deliverance from Egypt and from Pharaoh's rule and, and from being slaves. And, and Egypt, well, the, the Israelites said the following to Moses. It says um, in verse 8, um, God is promising them and says, I will bring you into the land that I sought to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord, God says. And Moses brought this message to the people and said, Hey guys, this is what God is saying. Listen what he's going to do. And, and he spoke this to the people. Uh, but. It says, but. It says, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. They were so enslaved and they so, so broken by what they had experienced for 430 years that when a message of hope came, they didn't believe it. They didn't receive it. They couldn't understand that it's possible for them to be out of this misery of slavery. A broken spirit and their condition of harsh slavery determined their character and defined them. And unfortunately, for too long today, that does the same. To many people. This brokenness that you've gone through in life. And what has happened in your life, in your past, has so broken us that we cannot consider freedom. And uh, Moses had that battle. The next thing that we are no longer overcome by is, is sin. We are no longer overcome by sin. And I want to just briefly, before we go to the, verse, to the verses about that, I, I want to just give you three P's about sin. P's, all right? P, the letter P. There's the penalty of sin, there's the power of sin, and there's the presence of sin that you and I have to understand. 
First of all, the penalty of sin. We are no longer under that. As believers and as followers of Jesus Christ, the penalty of sin is if you do not understand the grace of God and receive it in your life and submit to Him and follow Him, you remain under the penalty of sin. What is the penalty of sin? Eternal separation from God. God says, when there's sin, it separates you from me. But when we accept Christ into our lives, that penalty is removed. Amen? We're no longer as believers. And if you're sitting here this morning, and if you've not confessed your faith in Jesus and, and turned your life towards Him, we want to help you with that. To remove the penalty of sin from your life. So as believers, we're no longer submitted and under the penalty of sin. Then there's a second P, which is the power of sin. Now, the power of sin is still around. But we don't have to submit to that. Sin is still here. Whilst we're on earth, until Jesus comes back or takes us into heaven, the power of sin will be around. But it is not the strongest force around. Because remember, Jesus said, Hey, there's, there's a strong man here. And there's power of sin through him. But there's one stronger than him that's come to set you free from the power of sin as we choose. And so we're no longer under that power as we follow Jesus. It can affect our lives. It can cause us to sin. We choose to, but we don't have to. It is a choice we make. And then lastly, the last P is one day we'll be set free from the presence of sin. That there won't be sin around us anymore. And that's obviously our eternal life with Christ Jesus. But until then, until we are freed from the presence of sin, we still recognize that the power of sin is here. And 1 John 3, I can take you there. I'd love for you to, to, to take note of these verses. As always, these sermons are available on our website for you to go listen to and to um, just spend a little bit more time on it. It's not about listening to my voice. It's about taking hold of the truth from Scripture to help you live as an overcomer, as, an over as a conqueror. And 1 John, um, John is again in verse 3 helping us understand these truths. And let me read it to you. Verse 4, it says, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that, the, that he appeared in order to take away sins. That's Jesus. And in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. That's kind of like a contradiction in terms. If you say, oh, I have seen him but keep on sinning, it doesn't match. That's what John is saying. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God has appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. We read that early on. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him and he cannot. Say with me, cannot. Cannot. Keep on sinning because he has been born of God. The power of sin is there. But because of the seed of God living in you, you don't have to be trapped inside anymore. Say, oh, I don't know. It's just one of those things, you know. Oh, my life is just miserable. I mean, I've always had a bad temper. And I know that Jesus is Lord of my life. But I mean, I'll just kind of die with this bad temper. What I'm actually saying is, sin is ruling my life. Not Jesus. There's a strong one ruling my life. Not the stronger one. So we actually have no excuse to say, well, you don't know. That's how I've lived. That's how my parents lived. And, and, and this particular sin has just been part of our lives. I've kind of inherited it. And what I'm saying is, sin has dominion over me. Not Christ. And I choose to be inside you. And I say that this sin will keep on ruling my life. Not Christ. And I walk in you, I can walk out just like this. But I walk in you or I stay in you by my choice. By my choice. I cannot blame the devil even. I cannot blame those who have sinned against me even. 
I've got to take responsibility for my life and say, I've got to walk out of this because Scripture says clearly that I've been free and when the sun sets me free, I'm free indeed. Why would I want to go in there? Why would I want to be trapped in that? It's like, why would I want to go back to Egypt? It's ridiculous. And so Romans 6, verses 11 to 14. I don't have time to read all of that. But Paul is referring to it there. Please write it down. Romans 6, 11 to 14. And there it clearly says that sin will have no dominion over you. Because you are under the control of the stronger one. And the stronger one in you enables you to rule over sin. power of sin is still there, but you rule over it. Amen? You've got to understand that. The fourth thing that I want to give to you that we are no longer overcome by is lies. We are no longer overcome by lies. And there are so many lies that float around. And we just covered something about our past. And, and it, unfortunately, we live in a world where our ears are so open to what people say and what people think. And what I think about myself. And what the devil says about me. And there are beautiful portions of Scripture. Galatians 4, if I could take you there, just helps us understand that um, we need to guard what we hear. Let me read to you this. Galatians 4 says, I mean that the heir, as long as he is, is a child. is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. Listen to this. In the same way we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. Paul is referring to the fact that before we fully understood who Christ is and, and walked into the, the teaching and, the, and what He has done for us and the truth of who He is, we were subject to the elementary principles and teachings of the world. Now I want to suggest that these weak, and right later on he, he talks about it in, uh, I think it's in verse 11 in Galatians, he says in verse 9, let me just read this to you. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? So Paul's saying twice here. Talking about weak and, and, and elementary principles and weak and worthless elementary principles of the world. There are certain things that the world has taught us that are lies. And as people of God, unless we con are confronted with the truth, we will keep on believing these lies as the truth. So the truth comes. Paul says you need to understand the truth because here you were exposed to elementary, weak, and worthless principles that were taught to you. It's kind of like things that were handed over to you. It's unsatisfactory beliefs. Well, that's just how life is. That's just how it will go. Your parents were like that. That's how you will be too. I'm not mocking parents. I'm a parent too. And I've got to understand that the way that I live may be something that my boys pick up and follow. And I'm going to say, God, please let them pick up what you and what your standards are, not my weak and worthless elementary lifestyle. And so we were exposed to so much of this as we've grown up in life. Things that are not helpful to us in the way that we look at ourselves, we look at God, we look at people. Things that are worthless and are so weak in helping us form who God wants us to be and become that. You've got to discern in your life what are some of these weak and worthless elementary principles that you were raised by. And praise God for parents. But if there are things that you were taught by your parents or your peers or your teachers at school that are against the truth from God's word, you are enslaved, Paul says, by these elementary worth, uh, weak and worthless principles. You've got to discern what those may be in your life. Some of these things may, may be about the way that you look at yourself and say, well, you know, I grew up in a family where I was never recognized and so I'm... 
I'm never recognized anywhere, and, and, and so it's always my brothers and my sisters, and, and, and they always got the attention, and maybe I grew up in a family where I didn't have parents, and, and I felt worthless, and I felt insecure, and I just started believing that's who I am. Those are lies. Those are lies. And we can be caught in this trap, in this cage, in this prison of lies because that's the stuff that we've just carried with us for so many years. And you could be 60, 70 and still caught in that. And if you have, even in this past week, have listened to what people have said about you and, and, and believed those things and they're contrary to the Word of God, that's a trap that you are in. That's a prison that you need to be free from. We have not been overcome by sin and by lies. God has enabled us to overcome it. So please understand that. The point number five is we are no longer, longer overcome by fear. We are no longer overcome by fear. What does fear bring with it? Fear brings with it worry, anxiety, sleepless nights, and over concern for the future. If I don't plan enough and, and if I don't do this, I'm not against planning for the future. But if you do it from the basis of fear, then you're caught in a cage. And God has enabled us to overcome fear, not to be overcome by it. Paul writes in Philippians 1 verse 27, he says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you, or I am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side. I love that. It talks about community, isn't it? We can't do this on our own. We can't be walking in this freedom that Jesus has for us on our own. That you're striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And listen to this. And not frightened in anything by your opponents. <laughs> This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. Paul is clearly saying that there are opponents out there. Tower of sin. Uh-huh. And those opponents want to lie to you because our opponent is a deceiver. He's actually the father of all lies. So whenever you listen to him, he will lie to you about who you are, who God is, about your future, about people. He will lie to you. But we have overcome our lies through what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Wonderful thing in Psalm, verse, Psalm 4 verse 8 where David says, In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. So God, this is our life. This is what you and I can do at such a time as this. While people are queuing, I think it'll be a great day in the future if we do this again and see people queuing. Let's go buy some Cokes, if there are Cokes, and let's hand them out. Let's bless the people. Hey? And then invite them inside if they're going to be there for two, three hours and say, come on, come queue here. You don't have to queue even. You know, we'll give you free coffee and come listen to something that'll give you hope and not maybe fuel, but give you hope. How's that? And that's the mindset that we've got to have is, Take hope into people's hearts because we are not enslaved by lies. Don't be enslaved by a lie about Zimbabwe either. Don't be enslaved by a lie about your future because you live in Zimbabwe. Your future is not determined by cues because then we live inside of this cage and we're not, not supposed to. Two more. We're no longer overcome by the world. 1 John 5 verse 4. Such a beautiful portion of scripture. With John again, I love this. You go read through John. You're going to be encouraged to understand that we've overcome. 1 John 5 verse 4, he's saying the following. He's writing. And he says, for everyone who has been born of God. How many of you have been born of God? I mean, that's reborn. I'm not talking about your physical birth. Because all of you have been physically born. Correct? Uh-huh. But the, the spiritual rebirth that we're talking about. He says, everyone who has been born of God. You want to say that? Shout it. Overcomes the world. How many of you have been born again? Like, oh. If you don't know, you've got to ask. 
But that's, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I've been reborn through Him and what He's done for me. He has saved me. I'm no longer under the penalty of sin. Therefore, the Bible says, you have overcome the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Jesus has enabled us because He actually has overcome the world on our behalf. And we believe that He has done it. And therefore, we too overcome the world. The world here is really defined as anyone or anything which draws your heart away from God and His authority. That is for you, the world. I'm not talking about this physical cosmos. It's like, let's blame it on the Koreans. You know, they kind of like, we need to overcome them or we need to overcome these um, whatever a nation they may be. No, it's not the physical cosmos we're talking about. It's this environment that wants to draw our attention away from God and wants to overcome our thinking pattern, wants to overcome the way we live. That's the thing that the Bible says. You are no longer entrapped by it. You, you, are, you have overcome it. It's the stuff of this world that we have overcome and we need not be subject to it anymore. I want to just say to you four things we need to be mindful of here when we talk about the world. It's fortune, fame, power, and pleasure. The world is represented by these four things. Fortune, which is really money and materialism. We are no longer enslaved to that. We have overcome the world. Money can lure us and has the potential to lure people away from God. Part of the world. Now the thing that the world has is fame. Popularity. I want to be popular with people. I want to be accepted by people. So I run after their acceptance. And eventually I'm trapped. Because everything that I do is done so that people will accept me. You're in a cage. You're in prison. Another thing that the world represents is power. I want to influence. I want to, dom I want to uh, have dominion over people. I want to control people. I want to be in charge. I'm not against leadership. No, we all need to lead in a godly way. Servant leadership. But we're talking about a fame that says, I want to I take over or a power thing rather. I want to control people because I've always been controlled. I want to reverse the roles. Another thing that the world could represent is pleasure. I just want to have this, my desires fulfilled constantly. I desire this. Oh, let me have that. I always need this and I always need that. And, and so my, my life is... is, is, is always controlled by the desires that I have. And so often we would say, if it feels good, let's just do it. And the world starts controlling where I think. And I'm not under the control of the Holy Spirit who says, lay down your life. Do not be subject to your fleshly desires. Do not take what is not yours. Do not hurt what belongs to God. And every other person belongs to God. Why would you hurt them? And so the world comes and it, and it wants to lure us away. But scripture very clearly says, we have not been overcome by the world, but we, on the contrary, have overcome the world. Finally, you're going to go read these verses, but we are no longer overcome by death. And so we cannot and should not fear death. And I know death comes. It's a sad thing for us who remain, but another sad one for those that go and be with Jesus. If that is um, the, the status of your belief before you die, that you believe in Christ, then obviously you're going to go with Him, to be with Him for eternity. And so death is not, is not a point of disaster. Death is, is actually a place where we get moved into a much better world. And so we don't fear that. We are not overcome by death. We are not fearful of it constantly saying, oh, what will happen to me? And those verses up there so clearly speak about that. Folks, I want to close by giving you a whole chapter to go and consider with me this week. And just in this, and there are many more that can help us, but Galatians 5 just give us a description of what an overcomer looks like. What does an overcomer look like? Once you've appropriated all of these things in your life, of what we have overcome, and what doesn't rule our lives anymore, what does a person who lives outside of this cage truly look like? 
And in Galatians 5, we see, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not, be sub do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And then it carries on, and it particularly goes into us walking in the Spirit, because that is what an overcomer looks like. It's a person who is guided by the Spirit of God and not by the flesh, and not by these things around us. And so it carries on into this, the fruit of the Spirit, beautiful things that help us understand what Jesus has done for us and how our lives ought to look like today. The choice is yours. If you have identified yourself, maybe I can have the guys come up, please, instead of band and try to find a spot here um, to just give us a bit of music in the background. But if you have identified any area in your life this morning that, that says you're somehow caught in a prison like this, and you know how easy it is to get out of you. You've seen me come in and go out. But maybe you have believed the lie that this is the way that you will always live your life. Just caught in a prison like this. This morning, I, I plead with you to accept what Jesus has done for you. And the appropriation of that is you apply His freedom to your life and you walk out. And you come out of any prison. My friend, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ in your life as your personal Lord and Savior, you're caught in a prison like this. The only way that we are freed is through Christ. Good works never free me from this. I can try to come to church every Sunday and sit here and be as holy and as pious as you all look, but that doesn't get me out of this prison of sin and of slavery I plead with you this morning to accept what Jesus has done on the cross for you he died for your sins he died so that you and I could be free from any form of slavery and if there's any other thing that you have recognized as we spoke or anything that right now as you seated there you feel God is stirring in your heart saying I want you free my son my daughter this is not the way that I want you to live Maybe you've accepted Christ into your life. Maybe you've lived as a believer for many years, but there are certain mindset patterns that still keep you here. Things about your past. Things about how you live today. Things about what you think about yourself. Maybe you think that the stronger one is not strong enough. Maybe you do think the devil is just so strong that nothing can release you from this. This morning I want to tell you from the Bible that the stronger one has come to take away the power of the strong one to free you. I want to ask you, as we bow our heads, we pray together, we ask Jesus through His Spirit to minister to us right now. I want to ask you to, to allow God to stir your heart about your freedom that you have indeed overcome. And if there's any area in your life still that you are not free in, I just say, Jesus, I want to be free. Father, this morning we thank you for your grace. We thank you that John 8, 3, John 8 verse 36 says, If the Son has set me free, I'm free indeed. Why would I want to go back to Egypt? I pray, Father, for people that are perhaps still not living as it is in a, in, an, in a world called Egypt, but thinking that they're still there. Thinking that what they've done has so enslaved them that they cannot be free. I pray, Father, this morning that people will say, yes, Jesus, I want to come out. I want to come out. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will touch hearts right now to help us identify if we're still caught in any form of prison. We may walk around here freely in the streets of Bulawayo, but we may be caught in a prison that the strong one
has put up around us, but the stronger one has come to set us free. And right now, I pray that if you recognize that you're still caught in any form of prison, that you will stand, my friend. Just stand where you are. Just stand. Just stand. And say, Jesus, I'm no longer prepared to live in this prison. I want to be free. Aren't you pleased to stand? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. This is a tender moment. I'd love for you just to keep your eyes closed. Forget about the people around you. This is a moment where God is stirring hearts to move them out of any form of prison. And you know what? Sometimes it's like the Egyptians or the Israelites. They were not able to receive the word from Moses because they were so broken. And maybe as we embrace this moment, Holy Spirit, I pray that nobody will feel guilty and ashamed for any form of prison that they may find themselves in right now. But Lord God, that through the power of your Spirit, you will enable us to be bold and stand up and say, that's it. I have been caught in this thing for too long. I have thought like this for too long. Even unforgiveness can keep us in that prison. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that people will have the liberty to call out to you and say, I want to be free. I want to be free. So won't you stand? It's taking some time. We're not rushing. It's taking some time for people to perhaps even work up some guts and just saying, I don't care how this may look. I don't care about what people think about me. What matters most is that I want to walk out of any prison that I'm in. So won't you just allow God to stir your heart? Because there are many of us sitting here thinking, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Don't do that. Way to go. Way to go. There's no rush. There's no rush. Holy Spirit, thank you for your special work, tender work, gracious work, wonderful work of God in this place. God, I pray that people will come out, come out of any prison. And I speak to all of you, if you're caught in a prison, come out in Jesus' name. Come out in Jesus' name. Come out in the name of Jesus. Be freed in Jesus' name. Do not be caught and do not choose to stay in Egypt. Come out in Jesus' name. The strong one has been overcome by the stronger one. And in Jesus' name, if there's any work of the devil right now in the hearts, God, of any person sitting, I pray in Jesus' name that your strength, being the stronger one, will come upon those people and say, I want to stand. I don't want to be controlled by the strong one anymore. I want to be under the control of the stronger one. And his name is Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we thank you for deliverance. We thank you for freedom. We thank you for open doors to walk out of any prison that we're in. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We thank you for this, Lord God.